Hey everyone, it's Jonathan and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Today we continue to play catch up as I import the original episodes from the main podcast to this new show. And like the last episode, this one is the podcast version of what was originally a much shorter video. This episode is basically a longer director's cut of the original. My co-host is again my cousin Sarah. And for this new podcast cut of the show, I basically just left in all the rabbit trails that I had originally cut out when I was editing for YouTube back in the day. And then, like the last episode, this one will also include a bonus segment, but instead of being purely added to beef up the episode, this one is here more as a counterpoint to Sarah's and my review, as we were maybe a bit more negative on the film than it deserved. We may not have loved it, but in terms of animation, it really is a masterpiece, so I invited Eli Sanza to give us a rebuttal of sorts. And I will also mention now, Disney is coming out with a live-action remake of Pinocchio, and by some strange coincidence, it's actually slated to be released just about the same time as this podcast goes up. So if you're listening to this, the new version should be out. And if everything goes to plan, Eli and I will be reviewing it in the next couple of days, and then that should be the next episode of this podcast. Anyway, that will be next time. For now, let's get on with Sarah's and my review of the original version of Walt Disney's Pinocchio. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Today we're going to be talking about the second in the Disney animated canon, Pinocchio. Now, this is one that I had not seen since I was a kid, but I watched it a lot as a kid. However, I had forgotten a lot of it. And it was a much different experience watching it now as an adult than when I watched it as a kid. I think as a kid, I didn't realize how dark this film was. We both were commenting to each other how we felt maybe it was more disturbing watching it now as adults oh, than when no, we were kids. No contest. No <laughs> contest. And I don't feel like I watched it that much as a child. There were other Disney films that we watched more, but I, this is a disturbing story. <laughs> it is. I think one of the things that I found maybe the most disturbing was just how evil the bad guys were like the bad guys in other disney movies they're like witches and evil fairies but this was like I, a human yeah evil. you know that you have a point there because i think one of the things about the bad guys is that as an adult who hears bad news too much and i do a lot of filtering they're very relatable scenarios like these could be in a sense real bad guys Mm -hmm. who abuse children (laughs) and that's scary i and i don't like i don't like any of the bad guys i know you're not necessarily supposed to like the bad guys it's different than like maleficent who there's something about her that I mean, she's kind of cool because she, like, turns into a dragon. She just has this mysterious air about her. All of but... the all of the evil queens that I'm thinking of right now are not as disturbing as... They're not the same type of disturbing. Yeah. Now, Maleficent is creepy. The main thing that's creepy about Maleficent is that one scene with the... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That, you can edit that out, but that is the creepiest. That is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen on film. Is that just the, the way they built that tension? Anyway, we'll probably be reviewing that as well. 
um, when you get into it and you see the beautiful artistry and you're trying to figure out where on earth this film is set, what country, Italy, I guess, but with Germanic flair. <laughs> yeah. And you get into Geppetto's workshop, there are so many rich details to take in. Artistically, this movie is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And apparently the original stories were a series and were much, much darker, which I can believe. I like that they took Pinocchio and turned him into an innocent little boy. The, his vo- voice is so cute and precious. Jiminy is funny and cute. I absolutely love Figaro. I don't remember loving Figaro as a child and now as an adult who deals with frustrating people and life situations, I relate so much to the little frustrations that Figaro has. I think we both were saying how much we liked Figaro watching it through now. And I don't remember Figaro making any big impression on me Me as a child. And now we can catch all these little subtle expressions of, oh yeah, I would be frustrated too. Figaro's facial expressions were genius. Like they captured his emotions perfectly. It was so good. And then, as an adult, you have to try and fight the overriding logic that keeps coming into your brain of, this is a puppet, this is a fairy, this is a talking cricket, this is this whale is totally inaccurate to nature. The whale is basically hollow. <laughs> I, I had a, yeah, there were all these, there were all these different things where... You have to try and take it as this strange fairy tale that does not make sense. And the biggest thing about Pinocchio, one of the biggest things that I understood as a child, but I see it so much more plainly as an adult, is this overriding tale of this is what becomes of you if you do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what can happen to you. And this is the temptation that you're being drawn into. But right off the bat, when he becomes this little live boy, it starts to get, I mean, it, it starts to get frustrating pretty quickly, I think, of dealing with these bad guys, these tricksters. It's like, just go to school. Geppetto needed to be walking his child to school and we would have avoided a lot of trouble. He might have had somebody in the back of the school wanting him to smoke, but this was not Little House on the Prairie. Right away, he's pretty much being kidnapped in a very cheerful manner by seedy-looking bad guys, seedy-looking anthropomorphic animals, which don't make sense. Like, okay, we have the talking cricket. The cat at the house is a regular cat, but then you have a cat in a seedy suit and his fox buddy. And I think this is like the Pluto slash Goofy thing. It is. It's that. It's like they they're gonna make it a person if they want it to be a person. Yeah. And I happen to love foxes, so it. I don't know. Maybe there was something inside, and it's like making the fox a bad guy again. You know. They Wait had... till we get to Robin Hood. Then he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Robin. <laughs> such, such 
manly little fox. (laughs) 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 I don't blame Maid Marian. If I was an anthropomorphic cartoon fox, I'd have a crush on him too. (laughs) That doesn't stop a lot of people on the internet. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I never thought to have a crush on Robin Hood. I'm... That might have created some confusion in my mind as a child. I don't know. I, it's okay that that didn't happen. Um, anyway. But no. And then, you, okay, so he's getting sold to Stromboli. Stromboli is so icky. Maybe part of it's because I'm a woman. It's like, I don't know. There's just something so... Not only is he obnoxious, just the way they made his body dance all over the place. You don't have to put that footage in there. It's just so... (laughs) I described it as disturbingly jiggly. (laughs) And they did it on purpose. You know, that took some animating. He's just dancing all over the place in an icky way. And he's a hustler... And a kidnapper, and he basically tells Pinocchio that he's going to keep him locked up and use him to make money for the rest of his life. And when he's not good enough anymore, he's going to kill him. I don't remember being that bothered by that as a child. I This, this should have been a scarring film. <laughs> As a child, but I guess it has way more meaning as an adult. Mm-hmm. We just took it at face value as kids, just watching this cute animated story about a living puppet. So, thankfully, he gets out of that situation, and he's still over-the-top naive. And then you switch straight back to him getting tangled up with these bad guys who seem creeped out by what they're doing, but apparently the money is more important to them and they're happily leading him away to his destruction. I personally think that the coachman is the worst bad guy, to me, the creepiest bad guy out of all of these. Stromboli should be one of the worst, but he was keeping a puppet captive. The coachman was leading little boys to their destruction and enslavement. And he had creepy henchmen. Yeah, with the the henchmen, we were trying to figure out what the henchmen were. They looked like ape men with funny colored eyes, and from a distance, they just looked like silhouettes. But then there was like one close up shot; they looked like gorillas, but they had glowing eyes. Like some very similar to something that would have creeped me out so much as a child like the sort of thing that I would make up in my head to total that would totally creep myself out yeah I don't know whatever his henchmen were were and creepy I, and I do not remember being disturbed by them as a child maybe I don't remember even noticing them as maybe a child. that was part of my deal as a child watching this and then imagining things like it <laughs> I don't know and this might explain part of my fear of the closet I don't know Yeah, this scene is so different to watch as an adult. Them going to Pleasure Island, I feel like it, to me, it felt like the strongest moral allegory or analogy Mm -hmm. in the film of them going and 
oh, let's go punch somebody just because, and let's smoke and drink and do all, you know, and, and vandalize property, and isn't this fun? There was a lot of stuff that was going on in this scene that I was thinking, I feel like they would not show this today, especially the kids drinking and smoking. And it just seems like it would not fly today. Hanging out in a pool hall. And it was supposed to be this very strong moral message. And, and as an adult, I can see that. As a child, I don't know how much I got it. I understood that they were being bad and that they turned into donkeys because of it. You know, my innocent little mind. And now I can see such a strong moral tale and it and it has to be viewed within that context because otherwise how could pleasure island exist without being totally destroyed it's financially impractical so it has to exist in this realm of a fairy tale Mm -hmm. if you think of him as a real person who kidnaps little boys and then basically sells them into slavery and you have these little boys that are repentant and wish that they could go back to their mothers, but they can't. I think that was the most disturbing part, was the little boys as donkeys begging like, to be let like go. My name is Alexander, and I want to go home to my mama. And it's like, <gasps> That's like almost chilling, the way he was treating them and the way they were pleading with him. Just... I was so much more disturbed as an adult than I was as a kid. Yeah, and this is supposed to be teaching kids, but as adults, we're the ones <laughs> being creeped out by this. I'm past child enslavement. <laughs> I just, and I don't want to smoke cigars, so I guess maybe I'm safe. <laughs> I think Pleasure Island is catering to a very specific type of disobedience. Yeah, they were supposed to be boys playing hooky from school, you know. Stupid little boys. Then it just goes from weird to weird. Because Pinocchio manages to get out of there. And then, oh shucks. Dad's been swallowed by a whale when he went out looking for him. So he better go find him. The magic dove told him so. So you better go take care of this situation. And they're walking around on the bottom of the sea with his donkey tail tied to a rock because why not? They don't need air. He and the cricket, the little well, puppet boy. He's and the made cricket. of wood, and I don't. I was thinking about that while we were watching. It's like, how much air does the cricket need? Would the cricket the be able cricket to survive underwater? The cricket would have underwater? been dead within like thirty seconds. I, so this is I was Disney. thinking. I was this whole sequence. I was thinking about way too logically. I just needed to that, let that things was, go. That was one of the hardest things to let go of the logic of that, this whole ocean bit. Aside from like the logic stuff, the underwater scene was amazing. It was like, beautiful. The artistry was just it was gorgeous. Beautiful. This is one of those that's good to watch as a child because you don't care that this is a completely illogical fairy tale. But as an adult, I think we can appreciate the artistry of the underwater scene Mm -hmm. way more than I did as a child. All the varieties of the fish, the coral, the animation of the water, the bubbles. It was just stunning. I was, like, shocked that I had not remembered that at all. I was just blown away. It was like watching a moving painting. The ocean, the way they did the ocean was beautiful. Like, the top of the ocean, the Mm -hmm. waves... I felt watching this scene very close to how I feel watching Fantasia, just watching moving art. It was it was so good. 
the whale is the least evil bad guy, and I feel like he should have been even... Do I like whales this much? Apparently. Like, I view them as these benign mm-hmm. creatures. They're just trying to eat their little krill and do their own thing. But this one had to be evil. And they did that with that little eyeball movement. Like, <laughs> oh, I, don't know. I really liked the animation on Monstro. <laughs> and what happens when you're swallowed by a whale, kids? Well, you just hang out in there on a wrecked ship and try and catch fish in his stomach juices. <laughs> if you have a kitten, tie a line to the kitten's tail so the kitten can help you fish in the stomach juices. Apparently he was too good-hearted to eat the fish in the bowl, which wouldn't have kept him alive much anyway. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, why doesn't the cat go after the fish? But oh well, I was thinking friends. of Geppetto. <laughs> <laughs> I, my mind didn't go that dark i guess <laughs> you do what you have to survive i guess yeah and oh i i could go down a very dark trail with that figaro would have been on the menu um but he's too cute so eventually pinocchio is freaked out by this whale and is trying to get away but gets swallowed anyway and they're joyfully reunited and Pinocchio has I mean this may be his only clever moment in the movie it's good that he wanted to do what was right but he wasn't doing a good job of it the clever moment comes when he wants to light a fire and make the whale sneeze how did he get this smart when (laughs) From what we've seen so far, has he just been growing a lot in his journey? He's had a lot of worldly experience. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Okay. In the 48 hours that he had existed. I mean, that's probably about how long it had been. It, probably close. It probably wasn't even a week. Yeah. Stuff was happening fast. And... So you have this drawn-out sequence, which was gorgeous in animation, but I struggled with the whole, I'm a big mean whale with teeth, and I'm coming after you because I'm mad that you lit a fire in my stomach. (laughs) 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 Um, And Jiminy Cricket was great in this scene. He was an adorable character. He was great through most of the movie. He was one of the best characters. Yeah. And they get through all that, and in Disney fashion, nobody dies. If this were an old fairy tale, they, who knows? Maybe they all would have been dead. But they get through it, and they get back to the cottage, and Pinocchio looks like he's dead. And this whole scene seems very reminiscent of the mm-hmm. scene with Snow White, where she's dead and just the lighting and the way they did the camera movements on the characters crying over Pinocchio's lifeless body it was just so reminiscent of Snow White the end of Snow White and at this point the audience was probably expecting okay everything is going to be okay (laughs) we've been here before (laughs) something's gonna happen the fairy's gonna show up or something and um he comes to life and this part was so funny (laughs) Because Geppetto doesn't want to believe that he's alive. He's like, oh, you're dead. 
<laughs> Lay down. <laughs> <laughs> I've made up my mind that this is the reality. <laughs> uh, delusional old man. <laughs> Been in the whale too long. <laughs> but it was so cute. I didn't find that funny as a child. I know I keep referencing when I was a child, but I don't remember finding that funny at all. I probably took it very seriously. <laughs> probably took that more seriously than the people turning into donkeys. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's okay that I didn't retain a lot of stuff. And so he becomes a real boy. And I feel like you don't have full closure. Like, what happened to the fox and the cat? I feel like every other adult in this movie needed to have been arrested. <laughs> they need to be Geppetto reported. I was like the only adult that you're introduced to that doesn't deserve to be mm-hmm. arrested. Well, Blue Fairy, sort of. She's like a magical well, creature, but... Yeah, I don't think the magical creature counts. I mean, if you want it to count, then we can have one more on the good side when she's not up in her little star. Yeah, there were way more bad guys than good guys in this movie. Like, you never see the classroom, the teacher, you don't know, like, after this, maybe Geppetto was way more careful and actually walked his boy to school, and or we could assume that Pinocchio relates all of his tales and people actually do get arrested, but there is no closure on that. It's just, oh, I'm a real boy now. Isn't this magical? And apparently everything's going to be fine. I'm guessing that I enjoyed this movie more when I was little. If I really, really enjoyed it, I probably would have watched it more, I would think. We watched it a lot, but that was because it was one of only two Disney movies we actually owned when we were kids. And that kind of is the deciding factor when you're kids. What do you own? That's what gets repeated. And we watched the making of, and they're talking about how much effort went into this and all these masterful things. And I can appreciate different elements but for me personally this is never going to be my favorite movie unless I change a lot as a person the bad guys were just too icky the plot line was too disturbing the artwork is not enough to redeem it for me the the good voice acting all of the good things about it are not enough to redeem it for me and make me want to watch it all the time how do you feel about Rewatching this film and sharing it with small children. I was sort of thinking about that. Like, I know I watched it as a kid, but is this one that I would show kids? Like, your little nephew. I mean... I feel like I probably wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe Beauty and the Beast, probably. You maybe know, maybe when they're, like, thing. a little older. But, like... Probably not as young as we were when we watched it. Because we were pretty young. I guess it probably depends on the kids, too. Like, if you think a kid is emotionally able to handle something more scary. Or they've shown an interest in smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then you can warn them off of smoking. You will turn into a living donkey. (laughs) Or you will turn into a sentient donkey. (laughs) Um... This was the cleaned up version of Pinocchio. This was the sweetened version of Mm -hmm. Pinocchio. I don't remember much of the book. I know I read it as a kid, but I remember a few things. And it was 
a lot darker than this one. Like one thing specifically was that Pinocchio murders Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> he comes Which, back at, later as a ghost, and then I think he might be a, a cricket again in the end. But either way, he still kills him. <laughs> Like, the book was dark. I understand. I think they said that he killed him because he was trying to give him, give him advice. But from a human perspective, most people would kill a cricket. So that's not the most disturbing thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if you thought the cricket was actually talking to you, I can understand. Where, no, that's not, that was not the point. So Snow White comes out ahead for me. And that one's pretty dark. Mm-hmm. But there is something very sweet about Snow White. And not that there isn't any sweetness in Pinocchio, but maybe it's because the witches just aren't as relatable. I think that's probably... real life. Like I think you that can, probably has a big part in it. Like, you can put it more in the abstract, maybe. I don't even know. But there is just... I feel like icky is a really good word to describe the feeling of so much of this. So... Some people view it as their favorite film. I don't know that I'll be revisiting it anytime soon. If you're the kind of person who can get past the bad guys and just view them more in the abstract, then I can see why people would like this film because there is a lot of beautiful artistry in it. The music is amazing. The paintings are amazing. The animation is amazing. If you're focused more on the love between Geppetto and Pinocchio and the the sweeter elements, but for me, the darker elements... They were a lot stronger than I remembered them being. Yeah. Like, thinking back on it, the main things I remembered about the film from when I watched it as a kid was the Blue Fairy and the seahorses. I love the seahorses. I still love the seahorses. I haven't really remembered them. I remembered the turning into the donkey thing and... I remember that too, but I didn't remember it being so horrific. No, no. It was not a huge deal to me as a child that I remember. I think the Lorax was more emotionally unsettling to me than Pinocchio. Yeah, Snow White, I probably would revisit this one not so much. Yeah, I think there's probably a reason why I've never really wanted to go back to it. It's just, I guess it is beautiful in some ways. (laughs) But a lot of it is either not memorable enough or just disturbing. The memorable parts are disturbing. It's not something like Fantasia. Like, for me, I love Fantasia. We'll get to that next time. He's kind of describing real life right now. But, like, there are these nice parts that are really beautiful, and then there's these other parts that are boring or disturbing, and, yeah. Like, for the other ones... The disturbing parts or the darker parts are more outweighed by all the beauty. And I'm not saying that this is a boring movie. It is not. No. You will you will be paying attention more probably if you're in your 20s or 30s or probably on up. Or yeah. From a storytelling point, it's amazing. It's such a good story. It's just really dark. But I and also for feel- some people, that's. But I still felt like there were holes. But I, I think that's the way with probably a lot of Disney films. A lot of fairy tales, too. It's like, could we have the, this filled out a little bit more? I mean, show them going to school. Show the other guys being locked up and carried away. That wouldn't have been that hard to insert, you know, five more minutes. That could have been taken care of pretty quickly. 
but it's that was 1940, so it's a little late. I actually wanted a palate cleanser after this. You know how you might watch something scary and then you're looking at puppy photos after that? That was a little bit of the feeling going on with me, so we watched some cute videos after that. It is a good movie. In some ways, it's very beautiful, but there's a lot of darkness. And for some people, the darkness is going to be too overwhelming. And I realize that I'm a sensitive person, so I'm glad that you're bothered by it, too. I probably was not as bothered as her, but like when it got to the donkey scene, I was like, this is really dark, man. A little kid begging, pleading to be let go home to his mother. So dark. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's the review. It's not really what I was expecting to feel. No, I don't think I was either. But that was the thing. It had been so long that Mm -hmm. 90-some percent of it was pretty fresh to me. Mm -hmm. Even though I understood a lot of the basic plot line, there was so much that I had forgotten. Yeah, and even though I knew what was coming, I didn't know how I was going to feel about what was coming. Because I could... I remembered what was coming from watching it as a kid. I knew everything that was going to happen, but I was not anticipating how everything was going to affect me. I kind of want to know more about the original stories, and I kind of (laughs) don't. Like, I read Beatrix Potter for the fun of it, and there there were morals in that that, you know, were stronger than probably a lot of what would be thrown out there today but not to the same degree as what was being put out with this and the originals. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's about all I have to say. Yeah, I think that's going to be all for our review today. Um, next time we're going to be talking about what is one of my all-time favorite films. Not just all-time favorite Disney films, my all-time favorite films, period. Fantasia. So you can look forward to that, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Okay, now before we end the show, I have a bonus segment for you. After I put out the episode the first time as a YouTube video in 2018, my friend Eli Sanza had some fair counterpoints to our review, mainly due to the fact that we didn't say enough about how much artistic merit this film has, even if we didn't care for certain elements in it. And to be fair, we were pretty negative. I think we were just so surprised at how dark that a lot of the story was that we kind of forgot to mention the positive elements. So to tell us about a few of those, here's Eli Sanza with his thoughts on Pinocchio. Hey everyone, this is Eli Sanza at eJunkie2014 on Twitter and writer of the Entertainment Junkie blog on eJunkieBlog.com and I'm going to share my thoughts on the animated Disney movie Pinocchio. I've actually seen Jonathan review this film and I think I liked it a bit more than he did. So let me explain why I love Pinocchio so much. First and foremost, I thought the characters were very well realized, especially Jiminy Cricket, because even though he seems like an insignificant character because he's kind of just observing and commenting on the action and being brought along for the ride, he's actually the most important character in the movie because he brings a humorous and fun element to the story that without it would seem a bit more depressing and difficult to enjoy because 
Pinocchio is such a naive character, and all anyone in the movie ever does is try to take advantage of him, and they always get away with it. And so Jiminy is a great conduit for what me and probably a lot of other people watching this movie are thinking, and that's essential to the movie's enjoyment because it gives you a character to relate to vicariously. But all the characters are great. I actually think it's one of the Disney movies with the strongest cast of characters. When you see Pinocchio, Geppetto, Figaro, Honest John, Stromboli, Lampwick, you instantly understand those characters when you see them because they have such strong and well-defined personalities, which makes them more likable, and it makes the character animation some of the best in the studio's history, because animators work better when they have a good grasp on the personalities of the characters who they are animating. The movie is also darker than a lot of other Disney films, but it's still Disney, so there's nothing too bad. At at the most, it will probably scare kids, especially when the kids in the movie turn into donkeys on Pleasure Island, which is probably the scariest part in the movie. But the intention was to scare people. That scene is supposed to be scary, so that seemed fine to me. But But it also goes back to how essential Jiminy Cricket's comic relief is in those scenes. And the music is also great. Even though there aren't that many songs, and the few that are in the movie are sung mainly around the beginning of the film, they still make an impression. Uh, my favorites are When You Wish Upon a Star, High Diddle Dee Dee, and I've Got No Strings. Those were the best ones. But I actually like all the songs, and they're implemented into the plot really well. I felt that this movie did a good job accomplishing what it set out to do. The same perfectionism that led to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves becoming a masterpiece was on display here. And I personally think Pinocchio surpasses Snow White, obviously not in historical significance, but in entertainment value and artistic merit. So those are my thoughts on Pinocchio, and I thank Jonathan for letting me share them with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Disney Movie Marathon. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to the iHeartMovies YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.